All right, everybody, welcome back to the Agents of Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul. And I'm Eric. That's right, and we're back here with the uh, finale of our Blade series that we're doing here. We're doing a three-part, uh, going through different parts of the books. We're going yeah, through, yeah. Uh, week one, we did his first appearance uh, in Tomb of Dracula. That was a, it, it was yeah. all right. It was um, a cool, like, little one-off. It's a good piece of history, if nothing else, I yeah, guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we did uh, the Don McGregor Blade Mini, which was last week, which yeah. unfortunately was not very good because it didn't get finished. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I really wanted it to. Yeah, but... <laughs> it wasn't really going anywhere interesting fast. Yeah. Um, but this week, we're actually going to be able to do a book I was excited to cover uh, yeah. on, on the series, which is uh, Strike Force. Uh, this book is by Teeny Howard, uh, German Peralta, and the colors change around a little bit, but on the first issue, we have... Uh, uh, Jordi Belair. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, Blade Trinity, which was the one that came after that. And uh, I think our, our thoughts on that movie might surprise you. So yeah. stick around. It <laughs> gave me a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, wait, was Blade 2 not it very good? Yeah, because I mean, if uh, if you go just off the tomato score and the IMDb rating, it's definitely the worst. Yeah, is it? If you did you look at that? Is it yeah. like way lower than the, the other tomato, two? The audience tomato score is like a twenty six percent. Yeah, I don't know if it's and that. The IMDb is like a five point nine. Yeah, we'll get to it. The movie's yeah. not great, but we we I think we liked it a little bit more than we were expecting. It had a lot more redeeming qualities than I definitely thought it had. Right. Um, so yes, yeah, so we're going to be doing uh, the, the finale of our Blade stuff this week, and then uh, as I mentioned, uh, the past couple weeks, we're going to be doing like a whole Halloween-themed month here. Oh yeah, um, for all of our yes, that's right. Uh, for all of our um, like horror comics and horror adaptations that we wanted to throw in there, at least for this year. Yeah, this is already the first week of October, so we're doing the finishing up Blade is still on theme, mm-hmm. I, I think for sure. Oh definitely. Um, so yeah, so next week we're going to be doing. I can already announce it now, just so that way people can start. I think reading we talked ahead. about it last week. Yeah, we did. I think uh, we're going to be reading Dead Orbit Alien books. Very very fucking good it's like a one-off story yeah, i'm pumped for that yeah it, i think you'll like it a lot it's pretty it's really cool and like a pretty good uh, horror story as well like you know horror themed it's not just like sci-fi is know? it like alien uh, can go either is it like way. the game like alien isolation yeah actually a lot like that okay yeah, um, yeah it's gonna be awesome yep because alien can go either way i think it's like either super sci-fi and just like space action or it could be like full horror yeah you can make it like campy like action thriller you can make it like a suspense like alien like, 2 horror. yeah yeah right exactly sure. um, but I, i'm definitely a bigger fan of the first take like i think alien oh, should yeah. be like a horror franchise like definitely so that's why i wanted to put that in here as well um i think the week after that we're going to be doing constantine slash hellblazer mm-hmm. so we're going to be reading a hellblazer book yet to be determined i'll have to figure out what a good place to start at would be yeah i'm um, pumped for that the garth ennis run i think is a pretty good starting point i have not read it myself but i'd be interested in doing that one maybe okay um, but we can take some input from the from fans who want to weigh in maybe we could do a newer hellblazer book i heard that one's the one that's going right now is pretty good as well yeah who's doing that I, do you know offhand? Uh, not offhand, no. But I, I keep seeing a bunch of stuff about it, but I can't remember who does, who's doing it. No, I've just heard really positive things, like uh, you know, from reviewers and shit yeah, that yeah. I trust. So I, I, okay. I think it'd be cool to do. And then for the final week, I think we're gonna be mixing it up a little bit. We're gonna do kind of like an anthology kind of thing. I think we're gonna cover a few different shows and a few different books, just because we're gonna do more of like a short story themed episode. Yeah. Um. So the books will be a little bit shorter, so that's why we have room to put more in. We'll make it like a Halloween special. I can't remember if we were gonna do Creep Show, but I. I saw something where I'm pretty sure the the second season of Creep Show where the first episode is going to be like the second or third week of October oh, on cool. Shutter. So we might even be able to start that as well. Yeah, because yeah, that'll be something that'll be like a new release thing we could do. That, oh my God, <laughs> holy shit. What, will that be like our second or third this We're year? We're doing it. We're right. doing it. <laughs> our, the original premise of our show can actually fucking happen. <laughs> For real though. Oh, us in, in November of 2019, be like, let's do a podcast all about current adaptations. <laughs> Yuck. Whoops. <laughs> 
Oh no. Oh, uh, three months later. Honestly, though, it's been nice fucking going back and like getting some of the hits. No, though. this has worked out. It's it's uh we're we're a naturally evolving podcast. So oh, yeah. so th- yeah, this this has worked out. I mean, we would have never done Howard the Duck. Let's be real. Oh, and yeah. That was a treat. <laughs> and, and we would not have been able to do Swamp Thing. Oh, the Swamp Thing sequel. I, we would have never, like, we, we would have gotten to it eventually. Eventually, but, yeah. Because our original plan for the podcast was to do episodes like that, you know, when there was a lull in adaptations, yeah, which yeah. honestly, with the way that things were scheduled before COVID, was not that often. Mm-hmm. Usually there was something going on. Like, comic mm-hmm. book adaptations were just fucking rapid fire, like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, because if it wasn't, like, MCU movies, it was, like, side shows that were just popping up everywhere. Right. It, it would be, like, you know, something on DC Universe, or it could CW. be a movie that was building up or something like that yeah, yeah. yeah we, the one we opened with was batwoman as yeah. that was airing um also a horror themed book so technically even though we didn't do a horror one theme, of my favorite horror themed books yeah we started out on a really good book yeah we did that was solid um yeah because so, I, I was i've been going through some of my lists for our goats or whatever or like yep. the, our best that we've done or favorites oh that we've I'll, done br- this year. I'll bring that up quick actually as well yeah we're going to be ranking uh on the 16th we're going to do an anniversary first year anniversary podcast where we're going to rank all of the books and all the creative teams and whatnot we're going to rank them all but we're just going to share who what some of our favorites are so yeah, we yeah. call those out yep um but you said batwoman might be on yours yeah, it's definitely a contender. Oh, it's for sure going to be on my list for art. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, hands down. Yeah, yeah. the J.H. Williams art is going to be like, I when I thought of best artists we've covered so far, that was honestly the first one I thought that's of. My, that was my first. Yeah, I mean, we've done a lot. That of, and Frank Whiteley. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, there's a lot of really good and art. And Dan Mora. Oh, yeah, we did do Klaus. Yeah, if you want to count Klaus. Oh, fuck, yeah, Dan Mora's And Dan Mora did a cover of this. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, I posted that on Twitter recently, actually, as well. I posted the Dan Mora cover from number nine, because mm-hmm. it's so fucking good. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, his Jessica Drew, I was like, Ugh, yes, Aladdin, that's so pretty good. Pretty much all these covers on this run were amazing. Yeah, Sorrentino, uh, uh, Andrea Sorrentino did one. Uh, yep, he's the guy who does um, Gideon Falls. His art is amazing. Yep. Um, so that first issue is really cool. Um, I actually have the first issue of Strike Force signed by Teeny Howard on nice. my wall. Um, <laughs> got to call that one out there. I do. I do. Hey, <laughs> you got it. She sent me a, the sign number one Excalibur as well. I think we talked about this. It was like a, oh, yeah. a giveaway contest thing she was doing. Not a contest, but it was like if anyone had donated to like, the, bail, the bail funds for yeah, the protest. Yeah. yeah. Then she was like, first five people who like show me that they donated will get free signed books. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. I saw it like right as she tweeted it. Yeah. That's a great take. So that was prime. And she sent me a fucking haul. Like, yeah. She, she sent you a lot. Yeah. She sent me like four signed issues the full volume of guardians of the galaxy volume two which she did part of a one-off in that's so and awesome signed that as well yeah i was like holy shit this is dope <laughs> yeah that's so amazing yeah so i still have her excalibur number one and strike force number one on my wall oh yeah um excalibur is also a book i would highly highly recommend uh, that's another one i gotta get to yeah it spins out of uh hox pox mm-hmm um, and Teeny Howard's actually doing a huge event uh, for the X Men right now as well. Uh, X of, it's called X of Swords. Oh really? Well, oh the yeah. The X Men have swords. I've seen a lot. I don't of know that. any of the premise besides. It looks that. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there's a character named Pog Your Pog who's like a six armed fucking lizard boy. Oh. <laughs> yep. I'm in. Yeah. It, it looks very cool. So I'm excited <laughs> when that drops on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, so yeah. So check out. Uh, I think we're coming up the 16th uh, of October is going to be that anniversary episode. I think that's a Friday. So keep yeah. your eyes out for a bonus episode that weekend so, so mm-hmm. we can get that out to you. Um, but in the meantime, uh, without further ado, like. Like I said, today we're going to be doing Strike Force numbers one through nine, and I think we brought it up before. We're actually going to be covering a little bit more than has been released in trade paperback so far. Yeah, we ended up like, reading what was on Marvel Unlimited and, and then just buying the final two issues because mm-hmm. they hadn't been printed yet. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll it's definitely do it. that. Oh yeah, we fucking paid for Doomsday Clock for <laughs> yeah, for God's sakes, we can buy this book. <laughs> that will never be washed off. Oh my God, I we spent, have to carry that. I spent money on that. Yeah, you well, got to carry that. Yeah, yeah, I'm responsible. <laughs> now I'm responsible for three Jokers being made. Right. They were like, Jeff John's book is selling well. Let's have him write three jokers. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> so yeah, just to set this book up a little bit, because it does kind of seem like a strange, like the, I'll give the premise of the book here. It's basically like secret Avengers, like secret uh, covert Avengers, yep. um, except it's Blade's the leader and he has a team of like characters who you would have never expected to be working together. That's what's kind of made, what makes this book cool is like these characters, like this is probably the only time they'll really interact in any kind of significant way yep. is in this story. Like there's some characters who have a closer connection, like, you know, Jessica Drew and like um, uh, the team that we have in this book is, uh, like I said, I mentioned Blade is the leader. We have uh, Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman uh, is on the team as well. Um, Bucky, the Winter Soldier is there. Those are probably the most familiar ones to, to most people. Um, but I do want to call it Monica Rambo. Spectrum is also on the team and she's a very, very good character. I like her a lot. Yep. Um, she's also, uh, she's been kind of like a part of a bunch of different teams. She was Captain Marvel for a while. Okay. Um, and then she- was, Is she kind of more recent? Um, well, she's been around for a while, but her thing, like she, they keep kind of like rebranding her. Okay. Like, like, like I said, she was Captain Marvel, and then she was something else, and then gotcha. she was Spectrum, which is what she is now. Like her okay. powers are all like light based. Okay. We also have uh, Angela, who is maybe like the the standout of this whole book. Um, Angela is the sister of Thor. Kind of like it was kind of like a story where it's like you know you're the sister I never knew about. Yeah. Like she popped up in 2013, so she's a pretty new character. Yeah, her and uh, Spider Woman were definitely my favorite. In this. Oh yeah, no, yeah, those two are great. Uh, we also have uh, Billy Kaplan, also known as Wiccan, who is a member of the Young Avengers. He is, is he on- a newer one? Uh, he the Young Avengers is relatively new. It was like okay. late 2000s, I think. Okay. Um, that team was uh, Wiccan and Hulkling, his fiance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also the like the newer team had like Kid Loki and uh and Miss America and um and Hawkeye on it. The okay. The new Hawkeye. Yeah. And uh, so so he um I would highly recommend reading Young Avengers if you want to learn more about him. Um, because the Young Avengers book is like super cool and like kind of trippy. Uh, really really great art. Um. Jamie McKelvey does the art, and then uh, Kieran Gillen does the the writing. It's a super. Oh, really? If you want background on his character, that's a really good book to read. It's only like twelve issues. Oh, dope. Um, he, his because they mentioned it a couple times with his powers. He's basically like a reality warper. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's also the son of Wanda Maximoff. I was gonna say I can see how that could get trippy. Right, and uh, so he can like shape things just by thinking that, and all of reality will bend to his will. Yeah, yeah. So he's basically destined to become like this like omnipotent god. Is that kind of like the Sorcerer Supreme or like higher? Than oh, it's, that? it's is that like Dormammu than... level? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's it's very. It, he's basically gonna become god one day. Okay, it's pretty crazy. Um, but he likes to avoid thinking about it too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the plot of this, of the, or the, at least the hook of this story, is very interesting because Blade, uh, they're fighting this new enemy called the Verdai, which spins out of War of the Realms, which is a huge event that happened just before this book came out. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give some brief points about that story, because it doesn't come up too much, but it comes up enough. Yeah, and you need a little context. Yeah, the, basically, long story short, Malakath invaded the Earth. It's actually the end of that uh, Jason Aaron Thor run that we started. Yeah. We did the first few issues of, or first few volumes of it, and even got to the first Malakath story. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the conclusion of that whole, like, decade-long run. Okay. Um, and he, like, invaded Earth, attacked all the Avengers, of, of course, lost. Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Who would have thought? Yeah, and so Malakath's out of the picture, but because he did build this, like, it's called the Black Bifrost to get to Earth and bring his army there. I love when, that. Yeah, it's pretty badass. <laughs> when they shattered it, the, um, like, we don't know what happened in the end of War of the Realms, but what this book is telling us is that there was a creature living in 
the black Bifrost that got free when that happened, and yeah, that's yeah. the Verdai. Yep. And what makes the Verdai dangerous is that the more you know about them, the more powerful they become. Yep. So that's what makes this book really fucking cool when we start, because the Avengers have to, or at least Blade's Avengers, have to, like, they can't tell any of the actual Avengers, like, what's happening. Yeah, it's a really unique, like, villain. It's like a mind parasite. It's like, so the more you think about it, the more real it becomes, which is kind of a theme we've talked about before. Yeah, and the more, like, people that you tell or find out about it, the more dangerous they become. Right, so, he, so Blade can't even tell like his friends in the event because like i said blade's in the avengers right now yeah there's a scene with black panther and uh iron man he's just like what the hell are you guys doing like we can't just you can't just tell us to trust you and like not tell us anything like fuck you i can i can absolutely (laughs) do that and i will (laughs) that's that that's basically what blade tells all the avengers to fuck off and let him handle this because he's the vampire hunter he knows what he's doing yeah this is in his wheelhouse because the the book opens up with the like this team just just like randomly together like i said none of them really know each other that well they wouldn't have been here for any kind of like reason like they weren't here on a mission or anything they're just found like robbing this like bioweapons facility and the avengers are like uh (laughs) what are you guys doing the hell are you guys up to yeah this is like the opening scene is like the avengers flying in like to stop this crime from happening and they were like uh we know you guys (laughs) and like some of them know him pretty well like uh Carol, um, Captain Marvel, was on a team. Like she was on the Ultimates with Monica. Oh, really? And and her best friend is Jessica Drew. Like that's literally her best oh, friend okay. in the whole world. Oh, damn. They're all. They want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like you know, Captain America's here and he sees Bucky and he's like, I'm not gonna you know let people like think Bucky's evil again. Like there's got to be something else going on here. I mean, that's kind of a hard person to defend when it comes to like doing shady shit. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> but I, th- I think I imagine like uh, Steve. Steve even mentions it once. Like you know, we're not gonna hunt Bucky again. Like he's like we need to trust him this time. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, the Avengers don't know what's happening, but, like, they're giving them a little bit of leeway because the Avengers have run into weird shit like this before. So, and they, they trust Blade enough to just be like, just handle it, man. And, and hopefully it goes well. Yeah. Like, we know the shady shit you got to deal with and get into. Like, I don't want any fucking part of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they do, I mean, they are very, like, pushy with them because they want to know what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Avengers want to get their hands in everything. Yeah. Um, so, like, they keep trying to get in contact with them and, and like, track them, but they, they keep trying to stay ahead of them and not tell anyone else what they're doing. Uh, there's a part at the beginning where Blade uh, kind of explains his first interaction with the Verdai, um, which we'll find out later. I don't think actually happened. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I think those are all implanted. Right. Um, so, But it's still pretty cool because like the art in here puts Blade back in his original costume because it's like a flashback to Berlin like in, yep. the, in, the, in the 60s. I yeah, think. he's got like the green jacket. Yep, the green jacket and the glasses. So it's yep. like it's like Blade as we saw him in the first appearance in Tomb of Dracula. So it's <laughs> yeah, a pretty cool it's, reference. It's, yeah, it's a cool callback. Yeah. So if you're going to flash back to that time, I like when they kind of flash back the costume, too, instead oh, yeah. of trying to modernize it. Yeah, for Be- sure. Because usually modernizing the costume is like a meta thing. Characters don't mention it or anything. So yep. like when you flash back and you get to say, like, oh, no, that happened. They wore that. Like, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. But he mentions, like, he had this interaction with the Verdai, and the more he thought about it, like, the more, like, pain he got. He kept getting these, like, telepathic messages in his head. And yep. so he just stopped thinking about it. It was the only way to stop it from happening. Which is a decent sign. Yeah, that's, that's usually <laughs> alarming. <laughs> I think it's kind of implied that they snuck into Avengers Tower and used this teleporter, too, to get to, to Indonesia. Because they go to Indonesia to track down the Verdai to see where they're going. And it says, like, one stolen teleporter ride later. <laughs> like, that would have been a cool scene to see, like, them trying to, like, do, do, do. Like, behind Iron Man, be like, who's there? <laughs> I mean, they already got busted stealing some, like, biological, like, war- <laughs> right. like weapons. I'm pretty sure they could, like, uh, borrow a teleporter. I'm just imagining, like, Steve biting into a sandwich, be like, did I hear something? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, just barely looking away from the security cameras. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
when they so the place they're going is called the the Temple of the Vistani, which is a building kind of where it was a callback to an older story where Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange were fighting over the, the title of Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, yeah. So this was like the place, like their mythical showdown. Dope happened. setting. What's that? Dope setting. Yeah, right. It's, <laughs> yeah, the, the the temple looks pretty cool. They run into who we think is Doom at first, but it's actually a Doom bot. And unfortunately, they're going to kind of play that twist on us a couple times. I was going to say, it, it feels like it, it gets a little overused at a point. Well, the, I, my <laughs> problem with the Doom bot twist is not the Doom bot twist itself, which is fine and usually honestly yeah. works out. Yeah. My problem is that anytime they do that twist, Marvel, the, the executives are like, you need to have Dr. Doom on the cover, uh, which is just the most fucking misleading thing ever. Because like the cover for number three of this is, book yeah. is like Blade like with his like his katana out like about to fight Doctor Doom and yep. you're like holy fuck that's gonna be awesome <laughs> that is seriously the <laughs> biggest tease yeah and so anytime I see a cover with Doctor Doom on it I always like and I always let myself off easy I'm like it's probably a Doombot it's probably a Doombot that's it's a great... probably not him <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing to know because <laughs> then if it is him cool yeah <laughs> but if not eh, that's what I expect <laughs> yeah totally not never disappointed yeah it's and it's not just this book either it, it happens anytime Doom a Doombot shows up I was gonna say that's like a good nugget to know for, for the future <laughs> yes just to warn yourself yeah, yeah. Um, but the, actually, the one they kill here isn't even a Doombot. It's actually a copy of a Doombot, which is even more kind of like, wait, what's happening? Yeah, it's like a Doom clone. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Ange- uh, Angela kind of comes up to cut it in half, and like it, it turns into like this goo, yeah. which is what you what happens when you kill um, the shape shifting uh, Verdi. Yeah. So that's kind of, I guess, the easy way to tell if it's uh, your friend or not. It's just cut them in half. Yeah, or just take a finger off. Are you a Verdi? Let me cut you in half. <laughs> <laughs> you said get a fingerprint. I Wait. heard get a fingertip. <laughs> <laughs> so they end up meeting with like the Verdi leaders, who are um, who were told is King Ophelia, and he's in. He's even in like his throne with like a you know crown and like a, a cloak on. Yeah, he's got um, the crown horns. Right, and then we'll find out a little bit later, like not even too far off of this. This is actually a decoy; it's yeah. a clone. It's meant to look like the king. Yeah, because he's actually dead. Right, the one who is actually in charge here is his, uh, you know, seeming right hand. Uh, her name is Burgett. Uh, Burgett, yes. Yeah. And Blade has a really cool line here where he's like, "I don't, I don't like word games. This is how I play." And he fucking raises his katana and attacks right away. <laughs> I love that. Doesn't what- work out though. Yeah, Blade is a guy who I think doesn't work in teams a lot, so whenever he's in this situation, it's always hilarious. Like, he does not give a shit about anyone else's plans. He's like, I'm just, like, I, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I don't know about you guys, but... <laughs> yeah, that comes up a few times. Yeah. Because Blade is, uh, like, not usually a team player, certainly not a team leader. Yeah. Um. So this is kind of, like, new territory for him, which oh, is, so kind of makes it pretty interesting. We get a cameo from another character. What's cool about this book is it kind of juggles a lot of different Marvel uh, characters and, like, worlds even, and kind of, like, tours you through a lot of different ones and ties it into the story. Yeah. So this is actually a good book, um, like, for you maybe to, like, learn uh, or, like, meet some Marvel characters who we haven't gotten introduced to yet, you know, on the podcast or what we've been reading. Yeah, definitely. Because um, the one we meet here is uh, Damon Hellstrom. He is the son of, of Satan. Well, Lucifer. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, Mar- I guess I don't really know how uh, Marvel, like, uh, I can explain it to you. It's different. pretty cool. Um, in, Mar- in the Marvel Universe, in hell, Satan is a title. It's a throne. Okay. So lots of demons will come and sit on that throne and call themselves Satan. Okay. So a lot of times it's Mephisto. Sometimes it's uh, Lucifer himself. Okay. Sometimes it's Damon Hellstrom. Gotcha. So it could be, it's, it's like a throne that you sit on and can be ruled. But that's not like 
Because what is it from like a Mortal Hulk, like the one below all or whatever? Oh, that's different. Yeah, okay. That's that's the, the that's f- like the mythical god. That's like yeah, that's uh, Al Ewing like creating like the actual like anti god. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, because the throne of Satan, like the it's kind of like depowered a little bit in Marvel. It's it's because th- so that way you know like Mephisto can fight the Avengers and not you know yeah body them. You know, well it'd be like in real life like if there was a actual physical embodiment of like the christian devil like superman could probably take him on (laughs) (laughs) so like in a comic book universe (laughs) yeah so in a comic book universe you kind of got to downscale fucking give him a haymaker (laughs) yeah but damon hellstrom shows up here like defending the verdai like he actually like puts a shield around them to stop them Mm. um and so when when he does that like they initially assume like oh they have Damon Hellstrom, like they made a copy of him, yeah. and now they're using it's him to try a, to stop us. It's a jellyfish copy. Yeah, so the first thing Blade does is stab the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just immediately. <laughs> like, oh, you're evil. Shink. Yep. And I think in Blade's perspective, it's like, oh, look, a demon. Kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of a theme from the McGregor uh, run and from Blade Trinity. Yeah, it's consistent. Yeah. Um, but then when they kill him, he doesn't turn into a pile of goo. Yeah. So it's... they're like, did we just kill that guy? <laughs> like, whoopsie. Yeah, and I mean, they'll find out. Like, uh, some of the other characters who are more familiar, like who have met Damon before, like they know, like he he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Like he even when he comes back, he's like, no, it was fine. I lost, I left my favorite coat in hell, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, like it takes more than a stab in the heart to kill Satan. To kill, yeah, the son of Satan. Right? Yeah, I do like the outro page though when they uh, introduce the team. Like they and the, after the end of the first issue, they give you a bunch of little blurbs about like what what they're about. Oh like, yeah, if you don't know them. And when they get to Damon Hellstrom, they're just like son of Satan. R.I.P. <laughs> he's dead so in, in the next issue they have to it's kind of funny they have to like awkwardly bring Damon's corpse to like uh, Satana's uh, nightclub Satana is his sister like yeah. they, they rule hell together yeah um, and so she runs like a nightclub and so when they bring like the dead body of her brother and she's like well what did you guys do <laughs> yeah I feel like they would have kind of been screwed with Satana if they didn't have uh, Angela here to, like, diffuse the situation with uh, just sexual tension. Oh, right. That's right. Because <laughs> her and Angela are, like, they're, they're, like, super into each other. Yeah, there's a, a kind of a part here which I liked where, um, Satan- like, you think that Satana as the, um, like, you think it's the doppelganger and Satana goes up to uh, to Angela and just kind of, like, tries to, like, seduce her and you're like, no, Angela, don't do it. It's an evil for die. Yeah. And then it ends <laughs> up being Satana still. It's like, Oh, okay. That worked out. <laughs> like, all right. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm happy for them both. That's news. <laughs> yeah, and it actually kind of comes up later because there's a cool like I'll just talk about it now. There's a cool little yeah. sequence between uh, Wiccan and uh, Damon where they're trying to figure out like a solution to a problem. So they basic Wiccan basically just looks into the future possibilities to like look for a solution, and he warns Damon like, "Be careful! Like, I don't know what you're gonna see, but it might not be good. Just don't pay attention to it." Yeah, and he sees fucking. Uh, uh, Angela as the queen of hell with like Satana like on her lap like yeah. torturing him yeah and he's like on like a breaking wheel just like screaming in pain yeah oh, that, <laughs> like, that page Wait, is really was good yeah, yeah I screenshotted that I was like hey Angela got the girl right oh, but she's torturing someone <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a trade-off yeah so that's I think that throne that I mentioned like the yep. one she's sitting on they don't say it in this book but I'm pretty sure that's what that is yeah totally it's gotta be because it's kind of cool that it makes sense too that she would be like the like she could be the ruler of hell on an alternate reality because she ruled her own version of hell at one point. Oh yeah, like she, she that's like where she comes from. She comes from like Hella's realm yep. of hell. There's a, a really good moment which I like here, which is one of the first things that like really sold me on this book because it like I said we get interactions between characters who don't talk a lot and the way they tie like their backstories into this story works super well because in a mm-hmm. giant team book like this what happens a lot is you'll end up focusing on like a couple characters and the other ones will just be there for like 
fight scenes or just to make a joke. Yeah. Or, or to, like, if a writer figures, like, thinks that they haven't been writing a character enough, they'll be like, okay, I'm going to have him explain the plot. Yeah. Because then he's talking. <laughs> he and gets like, involvement. Right. It's like, but he's not really doing anything. <laughs> but this this book does a really good job of getting the, the character beats right. And just, like, even brief scenes of just, like, emotional impact. Like, Monica and uh, Bucky are talking here. And there's a really good moment that I like where Monica asks him, like, so, like, is this bothering you? You know, like, people are making clones of you and, like, using your image to do evil things out in the world. <laughs> And he's like, listen yeah. to the sentence you just said. <laughs> yeah, all of that, please. And and uh, Monica, you know, just trying to be a good friend is like, um, you know, if you ever want to talk about it, I- I'm here. Like we can we can hash this out. And he's like, trust me, if I ever want to talk about my feelings, I am a Verdi. <laughs> Bust through the door. I'm like, that's a really good line from Bucky. Yeah, I love that part. <laughs> oh, one really cool part too is when Monica realizes that she is in Las Vegas because her powers are all light based. Oh yeah. And then when they get into like a fight with the Verdi, she's like, wait a minute. Fucking depowers the whole city of lights and becomes like a light god. That part was so cool. <laughs> yeah, that was an awesome sequence. Yeah, because I, I think Monica, like her light based powers, are really fun to read about. Because she and she's like a scientist too, so she can use it in really creative ways. Yeah, there's a part that I remember in Ultimates, I think, where they're like her and the Ultimates are trying to like breach this impenetrable shield, like a force field. This guy's putting up, and like she realizes in her head, like, wait, if I can see him in the force field, that means light is getting through. Yeah, and if light can get through. Motherfucker, here I come. Oh, she, okay. She, anything she can see, she is light, so she can just go through it. I was going to say, yeah. It, yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. And, like, Damn. even her body is not, like, a real body. It kind of, like, she morphs it into that to be tangible. Yeah. But, like, she is light. Like, she exists as light now. I was going to say, it seems like it's pretty, like, uh, flexible. Like, it can pretty much go through anything. Yep. So that's what's pretty cool. Like, she can go through walls and shit, which yeah. happens a lot in this book. Like, she's yep. super useful. Um, But they end up making a clone of Billy, and uh, they ask Billy, like, well, if, if a clone is trying to, like, get information and, like, you know, ruin your life like where are they gonna go first and he's like oh fuck well they're gonna attack my fiance yeah yeah and so we have a scene of like the issue ends with billy going up to teddy like at, at their apartment and being like hello lover how are you and we're like no don't do it teddy don't <laughs> the old classic <laughs> there's a funny part too um because uh, when the when blade and and the strike force get to teddy's house they like tie him up <laughs> and then like, <laughs> yeah. like, put basically plug his ears be like you can't know what's happening i'm very sorry <laughs> <laughs> you just have to trust us and he's like please let me fucking help <laughs> Then there's a part uh, that's really funny later where um, Blade, like, because uh, they don't bring Billy with them uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Because Billy would object to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strong objections. And then when Blade tells him about it later, he's like, oh, yeah, when we, when we visited Teddy's house, we did have to, like, bind him and restrain him. And he was like, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> they come up on this mansion they don't recognize, which I think is kind of supposed to be a reference to the DC, uh, like, House of Secrets. It's like a traveling, like, horror house. This, this That's co- right. It's the via the it's the via the of vill- secrets. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah. I think very clearly a reference to that. Yeah. It's literally got like a fucking giant grim reaper like hovering over the top of it. Uh, right. Just trying to like Scooby Doo scare people away. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't come in here. I was gonna say like, is that just a projection, or can that thing actually like mess with people? I it could. I don't know. If this was programmed by Doctor Doom, it could probably do either. Yeah. Because it definitely doesn't like give him much trouble. They kind of yeah. just like ah, let's just get around it. And Billy has a good line that I like here too, where he's like, um, if we're sneaking up on Doctor Doom's house, I wasn't expecting a giant like grim reaper i was expecting he always seemed like more of a send out the hounds type you know, oh like yeah, the yeah simpsons reference yep and then as immediately after that happens three like mechanical like doom bot dogs come out <laughs> yeah. to attack them and he's like oh fuck right on cue 
this issue in general though is maybe one of my favorites in in this run because it, it's like a really cool like bottle episode kind of yeah because they get to this house it's literally they, like a ghost story episode yeah for sure because <laughs> they get to this house and they walk in and it's like too nice like it looks yeah. like just like this warm like log cabin it's very inviting like the fire's even going already yeah there's like a warm dinner on the table ready for him yep and so they're, they're like this is weird and then, like, some of the other characters are like, yeah, well, I mean, Dr. Doom is pretty, like, you know, self-centered and egotistical. I think this is how he'd want to arrive at a house, so this yeah, could make sense. you're going to have a magic house, like, you might as well have it get a fire going and start dinner before you get home. Right. But then the most suspicious thing is they actually see a Verdi sleeping on the couch. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad sign. And he's, like, in a coma. Like, he doesn't react to them at all. Um, so they're just searching the house, like, trying to figure out what's going on. And as they do, they um, they kind of do, like you said, start swapping ghost stories. Because it ends up being, like, the way they describe it, it seems like each one of them has a personal tie-in to the Verdi that all of a sudden they're just now remembering. Yeah. Like, maybe, like I guess what we're supposed to think as we read this is, like, maybe they blocked it out and now they're remembering it. Yeah. And some of these are really fucking cool. Yeah, um, for most of these, you could definitely uh, see how they would block it out of their memory. Right. <laughs> like, it ends up twisting. <laughs> if the, it did happen. Yeah, it ends up twisting at the yeah. end that these stories are all being invented by the Verdi. Yeah. Because the, the more that the Verdi tie them into their story and their background the more power they get yeah because you how are you going to stop thinking about something that was like a vital moment in your like um, of your memory yeah some serious childhood trauma right so like if you if you can do that if you can like inception yourself into their memories that's a really great way to keep power yeah that's a great power because like some of these flashbacks are really cool um like there's a flashback to world war ii of like young bucky working with captain america like going down the battle lines and he kind of like sneaks off and runs into like a verdi monster and fights it and the verdi monster like turns himself into bucky and then bucky has to kill the imposter and steve rogers has no idea that any of this is happening yeah because he wakes up tied to a tree and it gets back to camp and cap is talking to like a doppelganger bucky and he's yep. like hey, this is bad yeah and then in um in Damon Hellstrom's story, uh, he's like, uh, I, I kind of I want to call out the art in this issue, too, because they do a really good job of changing the art style. For... Th- there's a team on it. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Because yeah. um, they have uh, they brought in different artists for each story. Yeah. yeah so it makes it does. It uh, does actually seem like a flashback. Like the Winter Soldier one is done by Max Fiumara, Hellboy artist who I really oh, like. Okay. And uh, the, so I, I should call these out then as well, because we also do have uh, uh, Marika Cresta does the Hellstrom story flashback. And then the um, the Spider-Woman do- one is done by Sp- uh, Stacey Lee. The Spider-Woman one is really good. Yeah, that was probably um, my favorite. Yeah, the Spider-Woman one is like is probably like the scariest this book gets. It's yeah. like a really good horror setup. Yeah, because especially for Jessica Drew, like just to give some background on her that they kind of do gloss over here as well. Um, there was an event called Secret Invasion, which we've talked about before because it yep. came up in other books, uh, where Spider Woman was like a scroll, like for a while without anybody knowing, and she did some like pretty terrible stuff, like just trying to get this war started. Okay, and they even replaced like her baby with a scroll once that like they did rescue the real Spider Woman, but then she found out that they took her baby too, which she was like that that was super traumatic Damn. for. Her. Um, so she actually like the way the Verdi like twist her mind here is really fucked up because they give her a new memory of like her baby being a Verdi, like being an imposter again. And like that starts making her feel terrible because she's like, you know, how can I like, uh, like be scared of my own baby? Like, how can I like just I'm freaking out and like this is not right. Yeah. And so like that flashback is like one of my favorites because like the art, the way they draw it, too, is like really uh, freaky looking. And yeah, because it just starts screaming and she just like wants to get away for a second in the bathroom. And then all of a sudden it's like little creepy hand just like starts coming under the door. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And like, especially like, like I mentioned, the tie ins like of like the trauma she has with that. Yeah. It's like it's like super emotional because then like even Angela comes up to her later and she's like, you know, you don't have to worry like this. 
guilt isn't yours to carry. And yeah. Spider-Woman, that's what she, we kind of like it for people who haven't read Secret Invasion, get that background where she's like, no, you don't get it. Like I'm responsible for some of these things, even if like I, it wasn't my fault. Like yeah. it's my, my image, you know, that they do this stuff with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's like, no, I'm not talking about that. Like you don't need to fe- feel guilt because none of this shit happened. And <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you guys are all dumb. Yeah, Angela's so fucking cool in this book because, like, they, they do a good job constantly reminding us that she's not like, like, one of these is not like the other. She is an <laughs> yeah. actual god. Yep. So, like, there's a lot of scenes, like, a lot of conflict that happens where she'll just fucking, like, walk through it like a fucking badass action movie and be like, what? Like, you don't know who you're fighting here. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, she's, like, unfazed by this and sees right through it because, like, she grew up around magic. Yep. There's a cool, like, two-issue kind of side story here about Moonstone. Um, She was a member of the Thunderbolts, kind of like Marvel Suicide Squad. Okay. Um, She kind of has Kree powers, a little bit like Captain Marvel, I guess. She's got... Um, it's pretty much the same suit, just a different color scheme. Yeah. Because so it, it's, like, a Kree-inspired... Yeah, Kree I think it build. ties into Captain Marvel lore, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, because her, her power gem is a Kree-like artifact. Yes. Um. So so she she's tied in before. She's kind of like a, I don't know, like a like a villain who's like thinks she's good, but she's not, and very clearly not. She's just super self centered, but yeah, like, but smart enough and like a very a good enough actor to like convince people that she's not. Yeah, and it even causes a scene where like the spirits that she's putting in the computers like get free, and so it kind of becomes like a ghost story. Yeah, which which was kind of unexpected, but tied in a re- in a really cool way. Because then Blade comes in and sees it, and he's like, "Oh shit, it's ghosts! <laughs> yeah. Gotta kill the ghosts!" And like Blade, stop, stop. Yeah, and then all the bodies that like the that the spirits came out of like start coming back as zombies and then Blade's like nope this is where I draw the fucking line now I have to kill them let me kill them please (laughs) like my whole thing is killing things that aren't alive and and Monica's like Blade fucking cool it for two seconds we'll get this handled yeah Monica's trying to like chuck freaking spirits back into zombie bodies like no like I got this under control it's like no you don't right so I like this conflict because I can also see why Blade would be like no you're wrong I've dealt with things like this way more than you guys have like you guys don't know what you're doing yeah and and he's kind of right because Monica doesn't deal with supernatural stuff she's a scientist yeah she's just like oh well like they're these consciousnesses like their energy like they're still alive like i can put the energy back in the body and blade's like no like they are in agony like we need to get these souls free <laughs> yeah you're dealing with shit you don't understand yeah um but he kind of like reluctantly agrees and he's like fine i won't kill them and just kind of beats the living shit <laughs> yeah <of> instead. <laughs> yeah monica even calls him out she's like great like now they'll just have broken ribs he's like you know what thin ice <laughs> yeah like i'm meeting you more than halfway here yeah you, you got blade to not put his sword away that's a win oh yeah <laughs> I love how it wraps up, too, because I obviously end up stopping her. And when she gets put in the psych ward, like, the way uh, the doctors play it off, they're like, oh, like, I'm so we're so glad you're here. Like, you can help us understand those, oh, yeah. those mean superheroes better. Like, uh, We could use your genius. You'd be a big help around yeah, here. Yeah, they give her, like, a lab coat and, a, like, a name tag. And she's like, oh, this is fantastic. And yeah, then, like, finally some respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then they close the door. Just like, yeah, like, sometimes the best way to keep these, like people from going off the edge is just to like humor them right that's an interesting take on like an arkham asylum kind of facility oh it's yeah more like just let them think they're winning for yeah a just while. feed their ego right like, like maybe maybe we'll get by <laughs> yeah maybe you can stave off some escape attempts um but then they do also like they did get like a weird vision of ophelian um like as like it was almost like they got a vision of his origin story yeah like where he was just like some innocent kid yeah um who was like cursed and so they get this vision and they're like that's probably not right like we're probably like being played here like they want us to sympathize with them yeah um but it turns out that uh ophelian himself is kind of just like a victim in all of this as well but we'll get to that as well because the, the rest of this book is going to be kind of like a, a story of like them kind of like trying to like protect him from Burgett. Yeah. Because they think that they can turn him to good. Because he doesn't, he certainly doesn't seem like outwardly evil at all. Yeah. Like he's basically just the last like genetically like left heir. Right. So, so, he, so like, and like the way their species works, like he holds all 
the quote-unquote seeds to like repopulate themselves yeah he's like in a very literal sense like their representative like yeah. he is the one like who represents all of them like yep. he like wh- where he goes they go yeah he's the queen of the hive yeah exactly and so Birgit's plan is get control of this kid. I'll be the shadow king, basically. I'll be like the one on the side. Yeah. You know, actually ruling. Yep. So, and he's just a kid. Like, he's not going to stop me. Like, he needs my help. Mm-hmm. There's also a, uh, a tie in here to Deadpool as well. It's actually a tie yeah. in to the, the current Deadpool run that's going on right now. Yep. Yeah, this was a cool issue. Yeah, they they kind of. I mean, I, I don't read that. I I don't read Deadpool, so that's not something I've read yet. Yeah, I haven't read um, much. But it, it's it, what they imply here is in Kelly Thompson's run, Deadpool must have like landed on Monster Island and like became their king. Yeah, which is kind of fun. I can <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's a cool premise. Yeah, and so he's kind of just trying to keep all these monsters from like killing each other, and he's like kind of like a laid back king, not doing too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I like the way Deadpool's written here. Deadpool is a character who I uh, has a very short leash with me in the comic books because he's very yeah. often written as a super really annoying character yep um but the way he's the way he's written here is very fun actually because they use the the fourth wall breaking in some pretty funny ways oh yeah they actually mentioned the movie we'll talk about later blade trinity yeah Um, yeah there's a cool call out yeah deadpool has a cool line he's like oh blade i haven't seen you in forever i had any good movies lately i haven't seen you since you were uh, hunting down parker posey and some sexy dude (laughs) (laughs) he's talking about dracula because dracula is like overtly sexy in the movie like with always like cut off shirt (laughs) well doesn't he say something about like uh like working with some does he say hunting a sexy dude or working with some no, it says dude. you're hunting Parker Posey and some. Se- oh, I think he's talking about Dracula because okay, yeah. Dracula's always I, wearing like half a shirt. Okay, yeah. I thought that part he was referring to like himself. Like I would have thought, yeah, Ryan that, Reynolds. It, I, I, I'm kind of surprised they didn't call out that like, the been Ryan like, Reynolds thing. That would have been like three way meta, though. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it, you're, you're getting uh, into some uncharted territory there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go back and forth. Um, Deadpool actually has a, a cool page though, where he kind of lays out kind of what the theme of this. Cause like, I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, like everyone knows this Deadpool yeah. realizes he's in a, he's in a comic book. Yep. So when he sees all of these, he's like, wait, I get it. You're a horror themed book and you're all monsters. And yeah. Like, like you're a monster team. What? And he goes to, to Blade and he's like, see, you're the vampire. And he's like, I'm not. Shut up. <laughs> and like, um, and then he goes to Damon Hellstrom. It's like, oh, obviously you're the devil. And then he goes to Wiccan. You're the witch. And yep. Angela's even called him a witch in this book before. Yeah. And then uh, and he's like, oh, of course, Monica, you're the ghost, the, the buster of ghosts. Yeah, literal <laughs> buster of ghosts. Yeah. And then um, I'm not quite sure what Spider-Woman's one is. It's like he calls it the kiss of the Spider-Woman. Is that supposed to be the kiss like of a- the spider? I think isn't that a, like a classic uh, like early like 1900s oh, it movie? Might be. That might be a reference. I, I think it's like an old noir movie. Yeah, that must have just gone over my head then. And then he's like, Bucky, like a guy who loses his memories and kills people. You're a vamp or you're a werewolf. I see it now. Yeah. Yeah. Total werewolf vibes. Yep. And then, of course, Angela spooky queen of the dead you're yeah. all monsters i get it now and then he even points at the like the the screen like at us and he's like you all got that right yeah <laughs> like i think that's a pretty cool use of deadpool right there yeah like i love the meta deadpool take but i've definitely seen like examples of where like it gets overused like there's definitely a happy medium and you got to balance like how goofy he is too and yeah, just how sure. mimi he is oh it's, yeah it's really upsetting when he just becomes a fucking like unusable goofball who has no stakes in the plot or gives a shit about anything every line is just a meme but like in here it kind of seems like he does give a shit about monster island like he oh, wants yeah. everyone to kind of get along he wants to do a good job yeah totally so, so he's got like he's, he's got some stake in this story yep i want to call out another really good spider woman scene because spider woman like runs away from the monsters and kind of like finds blade and uh, bucky talking in another room yeah and uh, spider woman closes the door behind her and bucky like takes a shot at her like intentionally missing because yeah. he thinks it's a verdi yep and uh and they're like how do we know you're you and uh, she has a really good line here and she's like i think my guts just punched my brain and then fell out through my butt <laughs> and then blade's like i think it's her <laughs> like, yeah, yep, that, yeah that checks out <laughs> 
And Angela, like, she's kind of like talking to Ophelia and kind of like almost pitching his side because he, she's like, I understand what it's like, you know, to be like an outcast, to be in a world where you're not wanted, and like everyone says you shouldn't be there and like you have no spot in it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that that that's where I come from. So like, if you want to do your thing, like I'll back you up. Like you you deserve to make your own choices. Yeah. And so that kind of like wins him over. He's like, well, shit, maybe like. Maybe I'm fighting for the wrong side here, you know, like, or he's not even fighting for them. He's, he's more like me. Maybe I need to fucking team up and do something here. Yeah. Like I need to stop being led by some bad people. Right. Like I got to take a stand here. Yep. There's a cool, like kind of, it's, it's kind of just like a uh, scene played for like levity, which I like here at the bar. Oh, like, I love a good bar fight. Oh, of course. Cause like the bar, the bar, um, this like, um, kind of like fight stager, like a WWE kind of like guy, like a manager. Like Don, Bu- uh, Don Bugino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he comes up and he's like, Hey. Uh, we're all placing bets on which one of you would win in a fight. Like, what do you what do you guys want to do? And uh, someone tells Spider Woman that everyone's betting betting against her, and so she instantly agrees. <laughs> yeah, she starts kicking the shit out of Bucky. Yeah, just roundhouse kicks Blade in the face. <laughs> He's like, "Let's do this." I was like, "Oh shit, here we go." Yeah, and she she fucking bodies both Blade and Winter Soldier like in one in like two hits. So Burgett kind of shows up and then uh, kidnaps uh, Ophelian and drags him through a portal back to their homeland, which is actually Svartalheim, which is the place where the Dark Elves come from. That's Malakat's homeland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so she drags bad him stuff back going there. on there. Yeah, and Wiccan actually, uh, Wiccan and Damon Hellstrom are actually the first people to fucking stand up and be like, no, we got to do something right now. Yeah, like even uh, like Wiccan's like, no, we got to hold this portal open and go after him. Like no matter what it takes, like mm-hmm. we can't let this kid be you know taken by her. Like she's downright evil. Yep. And even Damon Hellstrom's like, I'm with you, kid. Let's do this. Yeah, it's a cool moment. Yeah, it's cool to have them those two like be the heroes. Like when because everyone else kind of like was hesitant if they wanted to jump through the portal because they're going to Svartalheim, which is yeah. not a good place to be. Yeah. Um, and like even even An- uh, Angelica like comes in afterwards. She's like. Oh, you're braver than I thought. Like you're coming into Svartalheim and you don't even like just to save this kid. Like I respect yeah, yeah. it. Bold move. Yeah. And when they get there, the way that it's pitched is because Malakath is basically dead right now. He's mm-hmm. gone. So the all of the Dark Elves, like they're like the whole their whole planet is like a planet of like war. Like that's always been their thing, is like constant war. Yeah. So without a leader, it's a lot just, of vacuums. Yeah. So without a leader, it's just fucking it's just like a five way battle at all times, like yeah. between everybody. And it's kind of sad too because they kind of use uh like Angela's like uh, pr- uh, previous like girlfriend yeah. as like a way to like get into her head because the dark elves actually have this machine that they use which is actually pretty cool it's called the uh, the thought the thought feeder yeah and it's basically just like this giant cannon that shoots these vines that attach to you and just start feeding you terrible memories it's to a try horrifying to get... design yeah because it's just like a bunch of black tentacles that wrap around you because it's it's using her like it's bringing her back to like a really happy memory where like she's just like laying on the bed with her girlfriend and she's like playing the lute but then it turns out like she turns into like a snake and like attacks her. I don't know the whole story here. I, I don't. This is the first book I've read with Angela in it. Yeah, I so, have no clue. So I mean, I get enough context here to get what's happening. I'm just I would be very curious to go back and like read whatever book she comes from. Yeah, definitely. Because I was doing some research on it to, for this podcast to try to like figure out like what her origins were. Um, and actually, she was created in Spawn. Like she was a Spawn character originally. Really? Yeah, she was created by by Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn, oh, and shit. actually Neil Gaiman. Oh damn. Yeah. And then, like, later became a Marvel character. Like, they bought the rights to her. Okay. So, it's it's actually, like, her character background has a little bit little bit of history there. And then she came into the Marvel Universe around 2013, and they were like, you're Thor's sister. Let's go. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds interesting as hell. Yeah. 
oh, there's this, a page I really, really like here because it zooms out on her having this memory and the Dark Elves are sitting there with their cannon like trying, and they're like, why isn't this working? Like, you know, her will should be broken. And they're like, this is like a, a god. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is like the, the daughter of, of Freya, like, bro, like sister of Thor. Like, this is going to take a while. We probably should have brought two. <laughs> <laughs> two thought feeders. Come on. <laughs> yeah, One's not we, enough. What are we doing, folks? <laughs> and oh, there's such a cool scene here like with the way they draw this because like as they're doing this, you see them talking about the cannon and in the background you see the shadow start to move forwards yeah and you can see like it's raising a katana and you're like oh shit yeah and blade comes <laughs> in late. on a fucking dark elf horse like cavalry <laughs> mounted and attacks these guys it's such a cool part yep and like she and like angela like doesn't want to talk about anything that just happened blade asks her like what were they doing to you what is that machine and she's like i'm fine yeah and I'm he's an- like you didn't answer my question she's like, i know don't fucking push me <laughs> yeah take the hint yeah they come up on this like creepy location. They have to go through a portal to get there, so they actually have to leave some members behind. Yeah, it kind of ends up. I, I think they kind of do this to kind of cut down the roster a little bit, because at the end of this, it's going to be pretty much just Angela like going in by herself. She's like, you know, everyone else has something to do. Like, I got to go in. Or here. Is it Angela or Angela? I ke- I keep flipping it because I don't know for sure. Angela sounds like it should be right, but Angela just comes out naturally for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's spelled straight Angela, but, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Angela does sound Angela more, sounds cool. It sounds more like Thor-y, you know? Like, yeah, more, it, it sounds does. more Asgardian-y. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's going to like make some people upset either way. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, I think that's going to happen a lot in comic books, because like, oh, yeah. a lot of these characters, like we've only read their names yep. ever, and I'm like, oh shit, now I have to fucking say it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I try to get all the creators' names pronounced correctly. I'll always look that up, but yeah. these, these are fictional characters. Who gives oh, yeah, a shit? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she actually runs into Freya, which is actually a really emotional moment because uh, Freya says, like, at the end of War of the Realms, like, she kind of just, like, went off. Like, she was going to take some time to relax because yeah. Thor took the throne. Um, and so she she's here now. Like, she's obviously, she didn't relax for long because she's like, someone had to watch over this, like, dark land, and I'm the only one here to do it. And she kind of gives her, like, an inspiring moment because... Um, I guess they're like, she's just kind of ch- like fighting her just to like test her, just be like, no, like you're a warrior, like show me you're a warrior, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then Angela kind of like breaks down to her. She's like, I just, I, I'm just trying to help the kid. Like, I don't want the kid to suffer like I did. Yeah. And, which is a really cool moment. And then uh, Freya looks up and she like picks her chin up, you know, just being like a mom, being like, no, you quit your wallowing and do something about it then. Do what you believe in. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like her dun, 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 fucking moment of like, all right, I'll do it. It's like, but it's an impossible task. And Freya has a really good line here and she's like, you are my daughter, and the gods of our people are heroes, so do the impossible. Yeah. I like that line. She just fucking uh, fucks off. Yep. And then the rest of the strike force catches up with him. Blade still has his horse, which is pretty cool. He's <laughs> like, what's all that like uh, flickering diamond dust? <laughs> Don't worry about it. And so their plan here is to create a portal back to Monster Island. Um what I think Jessica Drew kind of comes up with an idea for how she's going to get this to work in her head. But the thing with the Verdi is the more you think about it, yeah. the more they're going to have access to it. So she has to keep the plan to herself and not yep. tell anyone else. Don't speak it into existence. Yep. Do it. And so the plan here, it's a, it's like all the other characters, like they do trust Jessica. Like at this point, they're, at this point, they're like, all right, if you have a plan, like I get it. Like all of us get it. Like if we're going to tell the Avengers to trust us, we can trust you. Yep. But the, her plan is like super out there. So they're constantly like, are, are you sure? Because <laughs> her plan <laughs> Especially is. Especially Blade. Yeah. Because her plan is like uh, going back to Monster Island and going back to that bar fight, actually. That bar fight manager. Yes, he's going to be important. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> They even uh, Deadpool even calls that out. He's like, "Whoa, I'm back!" Like I wasn't even referenced until like three issues ago. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> another appearance. And so it ends up being like the final issue of this ends up being like a showdown in like a wrestling ring. Yeah, it's literally a hell in a cell. <laughs> kind of reminded me of like Space Jam too, where all the Strike Force has to fight this team of like super monsters. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Um, but Jessica has to kind of like play the heel here because she's like keeping a secret. Yeah. And so she gets like tapped out of the fight, and like the, all of the um the, the members of Strike Force are like doing their best holding on. They're like, "We're about to die here. I really hope your plan happens." Soon. <laughs> yeah. Like we can't actually win this straight up. Like you better pull out your wild card here. She lets Ophelia like take her shape. Yep. And then actually beats all of the other members of the team, so that way Ophelia wins. Yep. And so with that victory that he gets the prize as well, which was a spot like in this in this island. Mm-hmm. And since we, and since, as we mentioned, like his people don't all need to come with him. He doesn't need a lot of space. Yeah. So if he can find like anywhere that can give him safe harbor, and this is a, per- a perfect place to do it. Yeah. Um, th- this is a good way to do it because she, like, he had to win the fight. Yeah, won a free home on a game show. Right. <laughs> not the ending of this book I was expecting. But, <laughs> right. Hey. Worked out. Yeah, I do kind of wish this book got to go longer. I think it, they ended it prematurely. It was one of those books that uh, got kind of fucked over by COVID. I think. Yeah, they kind of had to quick wrap. Yeah, it sucks because this is like this team is so cool and like they could have like they could have even gone on and done like non Verdi stuff. Even. Oh yeah, definitely. yeah. Like, this could have just been a team. Like I would have been so down for that. Like, yep. Give me like more Blade and more of these characters because a lot of these characters without this book just aren't anywhere right now. Really? Like Monica Rambo doesn't have a team right now. I don't think Spider Woman has her own book. Thankfully, and finally. Um, but like some of these characters aren't in anything right now. Hmm. Like Angela, yeah, I don't know where, I don't know what happened to Angela. Damn. Um, yeah. Cause that, is there a spawn going on right now? Well, she, she's definitely not going back to spawn. I was just, yeah. That's she's over. not a actual big That's character. That's been retconned. She just yeah. got like, um, she was just born there. They basically. bought the rights to the character and now she's a Marvel character. Gotcha. It, it's like how Marvel has Conan the oh, Barbarian okay. now. Yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, it ends with them finally coming clean to the Avengers and letting them know, like, hey, uh, like, I'm sorry about what we had to do, but we, it was necessary, so I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, and they're pretty understanding. So, you know, C- Carol, like I said, I mean, some of these people are, like, her best friends, mm-hmm. like, you know, especially, like, Jessica and Monica. So she's like, you know what? I get it. Like, that's fair. And, like, they, she even offers them, like, if you guys want to stay a team, like, we could use, like, a branch like you, like, someone who's, like, a little more subtle, like, people who know how to keep a secret, who can, like, go on missions without, you know, that we don't want the rest of the world to know about. Some kind um, of suicide squad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's kind of funny. They instantly are all, like, in unison. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Billy's just like, I miss my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I want to go home. Yeah. I, I haven't played my video games in over a week. <laughs> yeah, Je- Jessica's just like, I have a baby. <laughs> yeah, so, how about no? Yeah. And uh, I like the final line here, again, by Angela, because uh, she mm-hmm. takes uh, Bl- Blade's like, I'm, I'm, I'm riding off into the sunset. Yeah, Blade and Angela get the coolest ending. They just get to ride off on the horse. Yep. Like, we're going to go fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a really good line to end it too, where she says, uh, "Like, do it, is there a way to contact the rest of you? Like, how how are we ever gonna like meet up again?" And then Blade's like, "Oh yeah, good idea. Like, in case the Verdi ever come back up." And yeah. She's like, "No, Blade, because they're my friends." Yeah. The end. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's a wholesome ending. I like it. Yeah, I just want to text about horror movies. <laughs> Um, well, actually, some of the characters it looks like went on after this because at the end of the issue they do say like you know Winter Soldier is going on in his own book. Oh, okay. Uh, Blade is actually in. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, Blade's in the Avengers, but I'm not reading that book. So unfortunately, it's not very good. <laughs> um, and I guess yeah, uh, Billy and Teddy are getting like their own event called Empire. So I guess that's mm. a pretty big thing. Oh, dope. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that Strike Force. We did a, l- a little bit more issues than we did uh, normally because I wanted to finish. I mean, if it. If it's six, only nine, six to nine issues, just read the whole fucking book. Exactly. Why leave the last three hanging? Yeah, exactly. So that so we wanted to go through all of that, and uh, oh, I forgot to mention as well that final issue, uh, beautiful. Oh, we talked about it. The yeah, beautiful Dan Mora cover. I yep. love that. Oh yeah, 
but yeah, so I I really like that book. I wish it would have gone longer, but I appreciate what we got. Oh yeah, um, it's worth it. Yeah, just to get like a team of like, because when I first saw that, like when they solicited that number one issue of the book, like when I saw that pop up, I was like Strike Force number one, and I saw the characters on the cover. I was like, holy shit! Yeah, that's a prime like promo cover. Yeah, and like this this book like made me a fan of characters like who I have not read a bunch about before. Like Ange- Angela's the perfect example. Like she's one of my favorite like Thor characters now. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. After reading this, this makes me really want to dive into Jessica Drew and Angela. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you should read, like, Ultimates um, for more Monica Rambo as well. Okay. Um, Ultimates is a super fucking good book. It's all it's basically just, like, a team of, like, all scientists. Okay. It's, like, her, Black Panther, Blue Marvel, Captain Marvel. Um, she's the only non-scientist in the group, I think. Gotcha. And then um, someone I'm forgetting. Oh, and Miss Marvel. Okay. Because she's, like, the one who takes them to other dimensions. Like Kamala? No, uh, or sorry, not Miss Marvel, um, Miss America. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, sorry. Gotcha. Because um, she's the one who like brings them to like other dimensions and shit. She's also oh. a member of the Young Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I highly recommend that book for more Monica Rambo. Um, I'm hoping they give Blade a book. Like, I don't get how Blade doesn't have a book. You know I, I mean? feel like it's inevitable that he's going to get... He probably would have been sooner, but COVID, but within a year or two, before, it, definitely before the movie, he'll have a I sincerely hope so, yeah. It's, he's gotta. Because it's such a like a popular character that ties in in really cool ways, especially when you start pulling in some of the Marvel stuff and asking yourself, like, how does this fit? Oh, oh yeah. That's how it could fit. Because if they're working it into the MCU and, like, they got Mahershala Ali to yeah. play Blade, like, they're definitely going to want to put that, like, onto paper, too. Yeah, I'm excited for when they do that big Blade push, because you're right, it's probably inevitable. It's just, gotta I be. want it to happen. It and has I, to. And they better fucking pick a good team for that Blade book. I don't want it to be bad. I want I, it to be very good. I want it to be really good. Yeah, just make it like fucking like gritty horror. Like find a good artist who can do that. Yeah. Seriously though. Like, yeah, because I I could see a bad scenario where they try to go too tame with it. Yeah. And like they don't go full horror and they try to make it more like accessible to younger people too. Or give it to some writer who's just like bored and already juggling like six books. And so yeah. it ends up just being like, I killed a vampire. Sometimes killing vampires is hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also part vampire. Like, hey, we can do something new, maybe. This is Quite no. the conundrum. Because that's what made this interesting to me, because this is Blade doing something new. Exactly. Like, this is not the Blade story you'd expect. This is him like leading a team and being like, I don't know how to lead a team. <laughs> yeah, like Literally, in this entire run, there's not one like instance of Blade killing a vampire. Literally, yeah, he does not hunt vampires. And it's still great. Yeah, that, like, you could do that like you, he doesn't even have to always be hunting vampires he's like, a monster hunter like, yes like there's that, a, you could that opens up so many areas yeah exactly because like if he's mad at vampires it's not a huge stretch to be like well these guys are just like that's what he did with the verdi he's like i understand this kind yep, of threat totally and that's that's what i vowed to do is protect people from this kind of threat so you could tie that into a lot of different ways yeah because the kind of for lack like uh one liner they have for blade that comes up a lot in this is that like he kills like the undead or yeah. like or non-living things so like that isn't just vampires so right like, there's a lot more you can do than just vampires yeah so i'm hoping they do lean into that eventually because that's why this book was exciting to me because i was like oh like I'm, I'm blades getting involved and i guess he's involved in the avengers but unfortunately that book is kind of just like plain noodles and know? that's i mean I, it's not gonna make it bad but that's what kind of sucks with the new reboot movie is that it's gonna have to be some kind of vampire origin story or like daywalker i mean that's fine if you're yeah, for the origin story exactly you gotta launch it but in but the like, comics you're so far past that oh yeah definitely. yeah so you gotta do something new in the comics for the movie sure reboot it i'm fine with that yeah i don't ever want another like blade origin actually i mean I, I, they, I think the I think the MCU's gotten better at being like not every character needs an origin. If exactly. You, if if the, they think the audience already knows it. Plus, for like, a character that got, ba- I mean, not uh, created from the movie, but like inspired heavily inspired from the movie, you don't need to make like a, a comic book origin story when there already is like a few movies about it. Right. 
So, um, so yeah, we'll so see. we will come back to Blade when that Blade movie gets a little bit closer, maybe oh, even yeah. sooner, because a lot of people have actually been uh, show, hyping up that show for me. Yeah. Like, they're like, hey, that was, show was actually good and got canceled too early. So I'm, I'm genuinely not, interested in it. Definitely. So I want to come back and do that at some point soon. Um, yeah. So that way we can, uh, maybe we'll do that at the point when I have something else we can find to do for Blade. Like if they do ever relaunch the Blade book, I think we'll jump on it right then instantly. Oh, yeah, easily. Um, so Marvel. Like, I, I would buy that. <laughs> please do that, Marvel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so at the end of the podcast here, we're going to be covering, like I mentioned, Blade Trinity, which is the uh, second sequel. What do you call it? I called it a trequel earlier, which can't be right. What is it? I mean, a trilogy movie with I mean, watching it again. I don't even know if you can call it that because they retcon like every origin. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. OK, so there's a few things we'll talk about with this movie Um, that. Because I'll be honest, just to lead up front, there's a lot of groundwork if you want to get the continuity. <laughs> yeah, like you could have, you definitely could have watched this as your first Blade movie. And oh yeah, not missed anything. New. No. Um, I mean, you would have missed the best Blade movie, but other yeah. than that, <laughs> yeah, definitely go back. Um, because like yeah, even the stuff like with Whistler's background is completely changed. Yep. Like all of a sudden, Whistler has a daughter now, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Jessica Biel is uh, Whistler's daughter, who like is introduced and in Blade like instantly knows who she is. Just like oh, it's Abby, Whistler's daughter. It's like wait. Because in the first one is literally... His whole family died. Yeah, Whistler <laughs> tells a story about like a vampire taking him and his family hostage and the vampire tying him up while he killed his entire family in front of him. Imagine his daughter like hearing that story secondhand, be like, wow, he didn't even mention me? <laughs> yeah. Not a, not even a glance or even a passing phrase. No. Yeah. Did, so then in this movie, they literally show that same scene they do. as a flashback in the movie, but they play it as that, like it's Whistler talking to, to her. her. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Which what? Which makes even less sense. Like, you can't try to trick me like that. I just watched that movie. <laughs> yeah. So like, and the only thing that would make sense is if it was his adopted daughter, but that d- doesn't come up either. Right. If it, Yeah. It could maybe be like a daughter who he adopted after that yeah. tragedy or something yep. like that. Yeah. Totally. Um, And then like raised her at the, after that point. Cause he's an old man. There's maybe a lot of history there. It could have been years yeah. ago. Yeah. You never we, know. we don't know when that happened. Oh yeah. So you could, but they don't, they just kind of, they lampshade it in the weirdest fucking way where they show us a flashback and act like it's a different scene. <laughs> yeah. Like, they basically <laughs> just want to like assume that you're not going to think about it and just roll with. Yeah, I'm instantly. like, you're lying to me. Yeah, like, I know that's not real. You're a liar, movie. <laughs> that didn't, that's not how it happened. It is, and like, they had Chris Christopherson. They could have just shot a new scene. They could have. Sh- like, get a child actor, be yeah. like, because that would have been a good moment to be like, here's how we make it make sense. Like, if you want to add in Whistler has a vampire hunting daughter, that's yeah. actually a cool idea. Yeah. Fucking just give me one line and I'll buy it. Because you could have just been like, and then, like, after that night, like I thought they were all dead, but then later on in the reports, I saw that there was one survivor, and yeah, it was yeah, my daughter. And it's like, okay, I'll roll with that. That's 100%. pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And actually, her character is badass in this movie. Yeah, she's like a badass archer who's like bow. She can turn on to be like a lightsaber. Yeah, it's like a lightsaber stringed bow. Yeah, like, it's amazing. That she can like cut vampires' heads off with. Yeah, it can basically. It's just like a cheese cutter. It's like a wire cheese cutter. Yeah, because uh, like just to get to the positive stuff, what makes this movie work better than two? And I'm just gonna say that outright. This movie is better than Blade. Oh. I'm sorry if that's a hot take. That's my hat. Sometimes I have hot takes. I love Guillermo del Toro a lot, and I will take three or Trinity over two. Yeah, this movie's not good, but at least it feels more like a Blade movie. Yep. Like, it's actually about Blade. Yeah. First of all, you would assume that that would be, like, a given, but it's not. (laughs) The last movie was about, like, fucking vampire Nazis. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Um... Like he actually like the movie does like they make it about him like these uh th- these two new vampire hunters played by Jessica Biel and Ryan Reynolds yeah um which actually a little nugget who uh my 
our other roommate Lucas actually told us I had no idea but this character and this movie actually inspired like the whole Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool thing yeah I, I think uh or the, the what he told us was that like someone went up to Ryan Reynolds and said like hey your character in this movie is like a lot like uh Wade Wilson like have you ever like thought about playing that character yeah and he hadn't heard of Deadpool or at least maybe didn't know too much about him and he like looked into it and he was like oh shit like I, I love this character yeah he picked up the comics and like fell in love with it and then like that's what he got it like, yeah because he was he was the one pushing the for those movies to get made like he, oh yeah he was huge responsible for that happening oh yeah um and so like in this movie he actually is kind of like i can see what they were talking about he's very like wade wilson-y and not even in like an annoying way like kind of just like he's goofy but he has like a hook like yeah. a character hook that makes it like like it makes it seem like more he's just hiding stuff by deflecting with jokes yeah which is what i think deadpool should be definitely like, he should seem like a severely damaged character who just like deflects things with jokes to try to like not let things get too serious yeah because he is severely damaged so right. like it works yeah um so so i i, I liked i liked his character enough um yeah, like, and and he does ham it up a little too much. Like, they do try to, like, overuse it a bit. It does get a little old. Yeah, but... and there's some, like, really cringy, like, early 2000s, like, uh, like homophobic kind of jokes. Like, oh, yeah. What are you, sleeping with men? <laughs> like, even in, even in, like, the movie, they even talk about, like, how much they're saying dick and, like, how, mu- like, how much they're actually talking about it. It's just like, okay, like, this is so cringy. Like, just yeah. stop. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the movie, this surprised me because I didn't see this coming. The movie actually makes the main villain of the whole thing Dracula. Yep. Like the Dracula. Um, I mean, the only thing that makes it a little lame is that because uh, it's the whole like, oh, but his name changes over time. And this one is known as Drake. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that is sucks. Oh, he's Drake. Can he can he be anything else? <laughs> right. Just like, can we just go back to Dracula? He, he could have been Vlad. Yeah. Vlad is a perfect like if you want to have like uh va- like him being like a human in disguise like yeah. Vlad's the perfect name because then he's like kind of hinting at it be like Vlad oh like the vampire like Vlad the Impaler he's like yeah just like that uh-huh. <laughs> yeah like you could be cool with it instead yeah. I mean I can see wanted to like do something original do a like a unique name but they sh- definitely should have shopped around more than Drake right um but so I think that's kind of cool I mean the character himself is not anything impressive. Yeah, um, but and actually, it's weird because it seems like they actually kind of knew that he was lame because they make the more like uh like omnipotent force through most of the early movie is the familiars. Yeah, the familiars right. in this movie like play a lot bigger actors and like they're almost like a secret like almost SS for the vampires. They're like right. a secret service. And they they get used a lot more. In the, like we saw a little bit of the familiars in like Blade One. Like yeah. they used like cops as their familiars. Yep. There's such a weird moment when talking about familiars where because uh, one hook with Ryan Reynolds' character is that he used to be a familiar. And his reveal for this is to like uh, they're all talking in a circle and he goes up to Blade and like pulls up his shirt, starts pulling his pants down. Like, you can see, like, quarter bush. Like, it is, like, it literally looks like he's about to be like, check out my dick. And he just, like, has a weird familiar tattoo, like, like right on, like, below right his next waistline. To his dick. Like, right above his, like, pubes. And it's like, like dude. that tattoo could have been anywhere. <laughs> yeah, like, you could have put that anywhere. Like, check out my vampire dick. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, it's such an almost jarring scene. And it just comes out of nowhere. It's just like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but I do kind of like them building up the cast a little bit more because they kind of did that in Blade 2, but the character who they added was terrible and he sucked. Yeah, because like, like the new mechanic or I don't even remember his name. Uh, uh, I know the actor's name. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Skid, I want to say. Oh my God, I think you're right. It was like Scud. Scud, yeah, it was <laughs> Scud. It was Scud. And he ended up being a, a familiar undercover anyway. Yeah, so I was like, great. I'm so glad you introduced this character. I love him. <laughs> yeah. I love him. So memorable. Right. 
Um, but the team they build around this is actually like not bad. Like I said, Jessica Biel's pretty cool in this movie. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds' character, not bad. Um, they also have um, Natasha Lyonne playing uh, their, like, their new tech. Holy shit, that was Natasha Lyonne? Yep. Damn, I did not notice that. So that was pretty cool. Patton Oswalt is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, his character was he, Unfortunately, terrible. they don't let him do it. Yeah, his character is the worst. I, I think it's not his a, fault. I think yeah. he has about three speaking lines. Yeah, and a lot of them are just like cringy. He's like, I've had a lot of sex. I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, with women. <laughs> yeah, like, like, okay. Great. Another homophobic <laughs> joke. Leave that on the tally. Thanks, David S. Goyer. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, and can I bring up a thing here? Does it seem like Whistler doesn't do anything in these movies? Oh, he, I think we talked about it too yeah. or when we were watching, but like he definitely wrote himself out of this movie. Yeah, he wrote himself out of the second movie too. <laughs> In the worst way too, because yeah. he literally like, because- uh, Oh, we didn't even talk about his death. Yeah, <laughs> his so- second death. The opening hook is that they actually kind of borrow from the McGregor run and the Strike Force. Well, I mean, this was before, but mm-hmm. like the whole early hook to get Blade like under fire or taking heat is that they accidentally get him to kill a human like in public view or right. whatever. They're familiars, but like yeah. to everyone else, they just seems like he's killing people indiscriminately. Yeah. Yep. So then the FBI comes and raids, and Whistler gets like cornered and everything, and starts like uh, destroying the computers, and then he's like tells Blade to run out, blows himself up, and Blade just like turns around and is like watching there all and gives himself up anyway gives himself up i was like count that as one of the most pointless deaths in a movie <laughs> ever just like blade get out of here it's like, like i'm i turn myself in that, yeah that happens so often in movies where like someone's heroic death you'll look back on it and be like oh wait like that wasn't necessary totally unnecessary but in this one it's even more unsatisfying because you get to see it fail immediately literally <laughs> a second after it's like, go blade i've always loved you like a son <laughs> boom it's like whistler as long as i'm dying in a meaningful way yeah it was all worth it if this gets you free Whatever you need, Blade. I love you. <laughs> no. Oh, wait. He was doing that to, so I could go free. Oh, shit. <laughs> Please don't fuck this up. Please run. That's my only hope. <laughs> I hope that's the last thing you do, Blade, is yep. run and be free. <laughs> Click. <laughs> oh, wait. No, I'm arrested. Yeah, it's a waste. Yeah, I was like, that's terrible writing. Um, Triple H is in this movie? Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was so disappointed. Fucking my memory served me wrong. He doesn't pedigree Ryan Reynolds, but he does give him like a backbreaker. It's like a classic. I feel like I've heard that before. Or like I wonder, a spine buster. I think that might have been like uh, Mandela affected into people's brains. Like he, I think he pedigreed someone in that movie. I think it was just what everyone <laughs> wanted. <laughs> yeah. Because like, it, it was close enough. If I didn't know he was like a famous wrestler, he just seems like ra- random henchman in this movie. It's kind of funny because his character is so like non-essential and so underused that it's kind of amazing that his, it was still better than Ron Berlman's villain. Or oh Ron my God, Perlman's right. villain. <laughs> like he had no personality almost besides having like shiny teeth and a little like Shih Tzu. Yeah, at least he didn't have like uh, a haircut that like offended me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, hair should not be cut in that way. <laughs> a ring of hair like strapped around your head. A chin strap, but it goes all the way down the bottom of the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, up to a goatee and a beard. What yeah. the fuck? Please burn it. Um, so yeah, so I think overall, I think this movie, like I said, I probably sound like I'm being overly positive about it, and I am. Like it's still not a good movie. We're needing it more than I halfway. think. I was just positively surprised by it. Yeah, because like going in, everyone told me this movie is like an abysmal shame. Yeah, and like it should never be watched. But that's <laughs> kind of how I feel about Blade Two. I would never. I if I had a gun to my head, I'd watch three over two. Yeah, because this was bad, but it was like fun to watch. Bad at least for the most part. And like. Oh, and another thing I was going to bring up is that, like, just the fact that it had so much more Blade screen time and Blade involvement. That's what that's what seals it for me. I think that's what, what makes this way better like, than 2. They actually kind of synergized it well. We're like, because in 2, all the fight scenes with, like, the new henchmen and the new, like, uh, 
team he's with like fight scenes it's all just them and no blade and in this yeah. one they actually had cool scenes where like jessica biel's character and blade actually were like working in tandem like in fights like right. they actually did cool shit yeah together. they added new side characters without making them seem like the only thing in the movie yeah and we got we still got some more prime like uh blade moments where like there's a scene where he's chasing dracula and dracula for some reason takes some random girl's baby and then at the uh, Blade yeah, ends right. up saving it, and then, like Dracula gets away, and Blade just looks at the baby and like uh, touches its nose, just like coochie coo. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, like there's just so such cool moments. Yeah, because like they that. brought back some of like the Blade humor. Yeah, like he's kind of funny, but like doesn't realize it. Oh yeah, I like that. T- like there's uh, a scene where he's like talking to a, or interrogating a vampire, just like I'm giving you 20 seconds to run away, and then I'm I'm gonna gun you down, and like it starts counting, and then the dude runs just like 20, <laughs> <laughs> like instantly. Like there's a really cool Blade moments like that. Right. So like. Like, this movie is not, I think, unsavable. No. I, I think, like, some parts in the writing and the dialogue specifically are the worst offenders. Yeah. Like, they, like some of the humor just does not land at all, and no. it's mostly just because it's, like, 2000s humor. It seems like something where, like, they are indeed it and did a bunch of, like, uh, group test or, uh, like, uh, view testing and wanted to, like, try to make it appeal to, like, younger crowds be like, oh, th- this, like, college kids would laugh at this. Yeah, what if we bring in, like, a geeky nerd who never has sex and also, yeah. like, a, a bearded white guy who makes dick jokes? <laughs> yeah, like, we'll call People this guy a virgin. <laughs> like, let's laugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious. But yeah, you're right. At least this movie was about Blade, and I and like it never felt like it wasn't. Like in, in Blade Two, there were a lot of parts where I legitimately forgot where Blade was and yep. what he was doing. Oh yeah, like like I, and I think they did too. Yeah, because <laughs> I'd be like, where is Blade? Like he might he's not not even is it just not on screen? I don't even know what scene he's in yeah. off screen. I don't even know what area or building he's. He in. He could be in like Berlin. I don't know. <laughs> he has nothing to do with this. <laughs> Oh, oh by the way, I was getting a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> Blood smoothie. Yum. <laughs> but yeah, like this movie, it had such great groundwork. It like it's at its core, it had all the right elements, like good characters, good background, good villain. It they had just, better it had the better bones and the better set. Yeah, they for just a movie. they just couldn't execute it. Yeah, exactly. Like I think with a better director and a better yeah. writer, you could have saved this movie. Oh, hands down. Yeah, th- this could have been like as good as Blade One if it would have just been if the dialogue would have just been a little bit better and like the characters would have just been like like make Dracula a little more scary. Yeah. Like make him the main villain. Yeah, don't just get a sexy guy with a shirt off. Yeah. Like like you can get a guy with a person or you can build a Dracula character. He can be a... sexy and have a shirt yeah, off, but just... he should also be Dracula. That shouldn't be his personality. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I thought it was funny when Deadpool and Strike Force called that out. He oh, was yeah. just the sexy guy. Not yeah, even, totally. Don't even say Dracula. Oh, yeah. The yeah. sexy guy. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, over this. So that's Blade Three. Um, yep. Next week we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be watching. I think I mentioned this. Uh, we're watching the first Alien movie, um, the one by. I'm pumped for that too. I haven't seen that in years. Yep, the one by uh, Ridley Scott, and yep. we're going to be doing that one, and then talking about Dead Orbit, which is just like a one-off. It's it's very minimal on text too. Like that, the art do a lot of the storytelling. I love that because um, the same guy who does the art in that book does the writing as well. So oh, okay, it's, it's super well balanced in that way. Do I know that name? Uh, it's uh, James. Uh, St- I always said I just said that I was gonna always pronounce people's names right, but I'm about to fuck it up. It's like James Stokoe or Stoko. I don't know how to say his last name. I'll okay. look it up before we do that episode. Gotcha. Certainly, but um, <laughs> but his art is amazing. It, it, it's really good. Okay. Um, so I'm excited to do that and then get into some of our horror stuff. And then, like I mentioned, don't forget to check back in on the 16th. Uh, coming up in a couple weeks here, that'll be on a Friday for our anniversary episode. We'll start ranking Hell some yeah. books. 
Um, we we because we've been doing this as I think our fifty fifth episode, or maybe a little bit less than that. It's, we're after fifty. I guess fifty three, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So so we've got uh, we've covered a decent amount of books at this point. Yeah. Um. So I think our plan is to uh, we're, maybe we can take uh, suggestions for categories as well, like things we can put in there. Yeah. Because I thought it's so. I mean, I the obvious ones we're gonna do like you know best book we've covered, best movie we've covered, best creative team, best art, you know, best writing. Well, I think yeah. we'll, we'll go through all of that. Yeah. Those are the obvious ones. If you guys want us to add anything else, like maybe something more niche, like favorite hero that we've covered or something, you know, any yeah, ideas favorite that you character, have. favorite or, issue. Or even just like any questions for us in general. Like it'll be kind of like a, oh, yeah. a relaxed like bonus episode where we don't have too much to, to cover or talk about. So we can just, you know, riff or do whatever, answer your questions if you want to write into us. Yeah, we'll just shoot it. Yeah. So it'll be a fun time. So check back in then. Uh, until then, next week we'll be abandoned on an alien ship and it's going to be pretty scary. Oh yeah, prepare the spoops. I, I hope nothing crawls out of someone's chest. That's my one hope. I, <laughs> I really pray that doesn't happen. I'm going to leave if that happens. Yeah, I'm, the podcast is <laughs> over if that happens. Cancel. <laughs> Goodbye. Later. <laughs>